you'll open your Bibles this morning to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, we're going to continue to walk through the Sermon on the Mount together. We began last week looking at the beginning part of the sermon, following the Beatitudes. Jesus encourages us to be salt and light in the world. He says, where there is decay, you should preserve And where there is darkness, you should be light. Jesus continues his discussion to these believers as they are sitting on that hillside that day trying to tell them and encourage them of how they ought to live in the midst of the difficult times that are before them. So we've kind of been asking this same question. How should we live as Christians in an unchristian world? What Jesus is doing in reality at the beginning of the Beatitudes all the way through Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is he's given us his understanding of values. Now, we all have values. There are all things that that we value, that we hold in high esteem, that that, uh, we have as individuals. You have some things in your life that you value and you hold in high esteem that I don't value or or I don't hold in high esteem. And, And likewise, I have some things probably in my life that I value and hold in high esteem that you don't value and hold in high esteem. And so what Jesus is doing is... He's encouraging these believers to value those things that are going to be most important for them as they live their life. Now, this morning is going to be a passage of Scripture that all of you are familiar with in chapter 5, beginning in verse 17, where Jesus tells the people of God, those disciples gathered there that day, that they are to value the Word of God. Look at verse 17. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law of the prophets... I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven." For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Let's pray together. God, we ask this morning that you would help us, Lord, to see, God, that that Jesus values the word of God. And, and Lord, it's the thing that he he wants these disciples to know and understand, Lord, that, that he cherishes your word, God. And so we also, as followers of Jesus ought to value, we ought to cherish the word as well. So God, encourage us as we're living in a time that seems very unchristian, God, a time that's very difficult for believers, Lord. Instill in our hearts, God, this value for your word. Lord, let us not only value it, but God, encourage us to read it, God. Encourage us to study it, Lord. Encourage us to live by it, God. If we're going to live in the midst of these difficult times, it's going to be partly, Lord, because we... We read, depend, cherish, value. God, we hold in high esteem your word. Let us be like Jesus, God. God, I I can't convince, I can't convince anyone to love your word. God, I know that your Holy Spirit is here and among us and he can. And so, God, I ask that you would convict us, Lord. Make us become a people that values your word. So we love you. Continue to be with us. We pray and ask this in the name of Jesus Amen. The first thing I want you to see this morning is that Jesus does, in fact, value the Word. Look again at verses 17 and 18. Don't think that I've come to abolish the law of the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, 
but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, unless, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Jesus, in these first two verses, are, he's showing those disciples gathered that day that he holds in very high esteem the very words of God. He calls them the law and the prophets in this verse. Later on in verse 19, he refers to them as the law. But what Jesus is saying is the word of God that has been given to him, that those disciples would have understood. It is, it is those words that he holds with great value and that he cherishes. He says three things that help us to understand how much he values the law and it helps us this morning, I think, to understand how much we ought to value the word as well. The first thing he says is, I have not come to abolish the law. You know what it means to abolish something. It means to get rid of it, right? It means to destroy it. And what Jesus is saying is, I have not come to destroy the words of God. I've not come to rid the law and the prophets from you and from your spiritual life. I've not come to take those and set them aside. Jesus did not come to rid our lives of the law and the prophets. He came to fulfill them, he says. What do we mean by getting rid of? You understand it, I think, maybe better like this, with this analogy. We claim as a people of God that we are pro-life or that we value life. And what we say when we say we value life is is that we do not believe at any point that life ought to be abolished. The baby in the womb, the infant that walks, the child that lives, the adult that lives, the senior saint that is on her way or his way to the Lord. We do not believe at any point life should be abolished. We are pro-life. We value life. And this is what Jesus is saying. He's saying at no point would we rid ourselves of the law and the prophets. And in declaring that at no point he believes we would rid ourselves of this law and these prophets, he is indicating to us that he has a great value inside of those words of God. He did not come to abolish the law, but instead, he says, he has come to fulfill the law. You could take your Bibles and just a few pages over, you could flip to Matthew chapter 1. You know what's in Matthew chapter 1. It's the genealogy of Jesus, right? We can follow Jesus' genealogy all the way back to David. That's the point that he's giving as he's writing to his Jewish audience. But in Matthew chapter 1, after telling the, the, the genealogy and the birth narrative of Jesus, in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 22, Matthew says something like this. He said, all of these things occurred to fulfill everything that was said about the coming Messiah. You see, Jesus in his birth, in his coming itself, was the very fulfillment of all of the promises of the Old Testament. Again, in Matthew chapter 2, as Jesus and Mary and Joseph are escaping from Egypt, they're escaping from Herod and, and his, his murder that he's committing on all, on, on all children. Again, we see in Matthew chapter 2 and verse 17, where we are told that Mary, Joseph, and Jesus, they fled from Egypt so that the scriptures would be fulfilled. Yet Jesus in his life was the very fulfillment of everything that was prophesied about him in the Old Testament, even as Jesus walked the streets, as he healed the blind, as he made the lame to walk, as he made the deaf to hear. Even in those moments, 
He was fulfilling every promise that had been made about the Messiah. Jesus' death, his resurrection, it was fulfillment of everything that had been promised in the Old Testament, the law, and the prophets. Kevin DeYoung says that Jesus, that Jesus filled up and he filled out every bit of the prophecy in the Old Testament. You see, Jesus is saying, the Old Testament, the law and the prophets, they are valuable to me because in them you see my fulfillment and promise from God that a Messiah was coming. He did not come to abolish them. He came to fulfill them. And the next thing I want you to see is that Jesus did not remove them. Or we could say that Jesus would not remove any of them. Now, in my passage of Scripture that I read, which is the English Standard Version in verse 18, it says, not an iota and not a dot. If you're like me, you may have memorized this verse of Scripture in the King James Version. If you memorize it in the King James Version, and almost naturally, you don't say iota and dot, but you say not a jot and not a tittle. That's what the King James Version says, not a jot and not a tittle. None of us know what an iota is. We don't really know what a jot and a dot is, but we certainly don't know what a tittle is. What is Jesus saying when he says that not a jot or a tittle will be removed? That not one part of the word will be removed? He's telling us that he values the law and the prophet. Interesting, this iota is the smallest letter of the Hebrew alphabet. The smallest letter of the Hebrew alphabet would have been so small, it would have been similar to something like our English apostrophe. Really insignificant in some of our minds. The apostrophe, just this little bitty mark, the smallest mark, smallest part of the alphabet in the Hebrew language. 66,000 iotas are inside of the Old Testament. And Jesus is saying, not a single, not a single iota will be removed that he cherishes and values this word even unto the apostrophes that are found. Jesus would not rid us of any of the law or the prophet. Not an not a iota will be removed, but also he says not a jot or not, not a dot. Interesting, I love the way the Christian Standard Bible says it. It says not the smallest letter or the smallest mark shall be removed. He's saying like the difference between an N and an H. You know the difference between an N and an H is just one little short line. One little short line is the difference between these two letters in our alphabet. And Jesus is saying not the mark of a pen, not the slightest little mark of a pen will be removed. This is how much Jesus Christ values the Word of God. You see, he's telling us that we ought to value these things. Look at what he says in verse 18. He says, I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota and not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. And Jesus is saying, until heaven and earth pass away. Listen to the, the gravity of what Jesus is telling us. Heaven and earth will pass away before any word from the law or the prophets will be removed. The law is as enduring as the very created order itself. 
The law is as enduring as the very creation itself is enduring. John Calvin says, Sooner shall heaven fall to pieces and the whole frame of the world become a mass of confusion than the stability of the law shall give way. Listen to what Jesus is saying. That Jesus himself holds with great value this word of God that he will not remove a jot or a tittle, that he will not abolish it, but he will continue to fulfill it. You see, Jesus is setting those disciples that are on that hillside, he's setting them up because then he says in verse 19, therefore whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. You see, Jesus is saying that I value the word and so also you disciples, you must value the word. He says, do not dare weaken, do not make soft the words that I have written to you. As I value the word, so also you should value the word. Now think about how this is applicable for those of us that are Christians that are living in an unchristian world. As Jesus is speaking to those disciples that day and he's telling them, here is how you are to live in a difficult time. Here's how you are to live in a time that is before us that is going to be difficult for you. You ought to value the word so as I value the word. Do not soften, do not ease up any of the words that you have been given by the Lord. It's why we hold the word of God with such precious, such wonderful such a grand understanding of its value in our own church. It's why when we come together, we open the very words of God because we know that Jesus desires for us to hold it with great value and great esteem. There may have been, and, I, and there may have never been, excuse me, and I hesitate even to say this, but there may have never been a time before that the individual disciple of Jesus' value of the word is more important than it is today. I say that because we no longer, we no longer teach you like we've been teaching you. Six months ago, you were able to sit underneath the teaching five, six times a week where either myself or someone else would stand before you and they would rightly divide the word of God. And that has been removed from us. You see, I don't know that there's ever been a time, certainly there's never been a time in our own lives where the personal decision to value the word of God has ever been more important than it is right now. And I would say that the value that we have as individual followers of Jesus, the value that we have on the Word of God will be the determining factor of our spiritual growth or our lack thereof in the midst of the time that we are in. You are no longer going to be dependent on my value to be given unto you because it does not happen as often as it was. We are going to now begin to question whether or not you value the Word of God. Do you take it up? 
Do you read it? Do you put yourself into it? Jesus is saying, listen to how much I value it. I will never abolish it. I will fulfill it. I will not remove a jot or a tittle. You also, he says, don't ease up. Don't soften it. Teach it. Live it. As Christians, if we're going to live in the midst of an unchristian world, it is going to be because we hold the Word of God with great value. Now listen, I know the question is, you're talking about the Old Testament. Jesus is talking about the Old Testament. Do you realize that as Jesus is sitting here on this mountain, as he's given this sermon, the book of Matthew did not exist. Neither did Luke, John, or Mark. Certainly the, the books of Acts and all the epistles of Paul, none of these books existed at this time. Jesus is particularly, he is specifically, he's talking about the Old Covenant. But let me remind you of something. Jesus, as he's talking about the Old Covenant, he's talking about the words of God. And he is saying, you hold these words of God with great value. And we know that Jesus himself is God. And so therefore we know without a doubt we have to hold His words with great value as well. And we understand the canon of Scripture to include everything from Genesis to Revelation. What I'm telling you is, is that we are to hold the New and the Old Testament in this same esteemed, with this same value. What the Old Testament said, God has said. But without a doubt, what the New Testament says, God has also said. We hold it with great esteem, and it will be, I'll say again, it will be the determining factor of whether or not you grow or you do not in the midst of this time. Jesus held it with great esteem. He calls for us to hold it in this same great esteem. The last thing I want you to see, because you cannot ignore it as you read this passage of Scripture, is verse 20. For I tell you, Jesus says, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You know the scribes and the Pharisees. The scribes and the Pharisees, they were law abiders. Paul tells us that he knew the law better than anyone. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees, right? He was an obedient follower of the law. These scribes and Pharisees, they believed in being obedient to everything that was given to them, so much so that they not only obeyed the law that was given in the Old Covenant, but they wrote books about how to be obedient to the law. They wrote standards that would protect you from being disobedient. They wrote laws to keep you from breaking the law. And then they wrote commentaries that would explain the laws that were to keep you from breaking the laws. Some 60 volumes, the Talmud is, to teach you how to stay away from disobedience to the law. And we all look at these scribes and we, the Pharisees and we say, how in the world will we ever, will we ever go beyond the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees? How will we ever move on beyond that? None of us are as obedient to the law as those scribes and Pharisees were. But we also know that there is only one way now that we will ever be able to obtain more righteousness than the scribes and the Pharisees who are strictly obedient to the law, and it is through the life of Jesus Christ himself. 
He is declaring to his disciples here that if your righteousness is to exceed those scribes and Pharisees, you are going to have to rest inside of the work that I accomplish on your behalf. This word that we have from Genesis to Revelation, it is the completed work of Jesus for our righteousness. And so we must hold it in high esteem. The completed work of Jesus found inside of these words. If we're to live as Jesus' followers, if we're to live as Christians in an unchristian world, we will only be able to do so by holding the word of God in its proper place of value. A couple of application points this morning. The first one is really, really simple. How do you apply this in your life? Pick up your Bible. As a people of God, we've got to be a people of the word. As a people of God, we've got to be people who hold this word in high esteem and of great value. Every year, there's a Barna study called the State of the Bible. In 2020, they've already done the six-month review through June. In 2019, 14% of Americans, this is generally Americans, 14% of Americans read their Bible in 2019. In 2020, six months in, we already see a decrease in Bible engagement. Only 9% of Americans so far in 2020 say that they are Bible readers. You see, in a time that's becoming even more unchristian, Christians are also becoming more unchristian. In a time when the world is becoming more difficult and more dark, we need to hold at a higher esteem the Word of God. And what that means is for you is just simply to pick up the Bible, to pick it up and to read, to pick it up and to study it, to see what God says is there for us. Will we, will we value the Word of God? Jesus is clearly telling His disciples on the Sermon on the Mount, if you are going to make it, in the unchristian world, it's going to be because you put yourself inside of this word. You're going to make it. You're going to hold this thing valuable in your life. Pick up your Bible. The second thing, obviously, because of verse 20 that we always need to say is that we need to trust in the righteousness of Jesus. You see, when I say pick up your Bible, I'm not giving you a checkbox to mark off. I'm not giving you another scribe or pharisaical thing to accomplish. What I want you to do is I want you to read the Word of God and I want you to see the perfect righteousness of Jesus and I want you to trust in that righteousness of Jesus for your salvation. And as you read this very Word of God, you cannot help but encounter the righteous work of Jesus Christ on your behalf. We need to trust in His righteousness and we need to pick up His Word if we are ever to survive as Christians in the unchristian world is going to be because the word of God is at the center of our life and at the center of our church. God, would you be with us, Lord? As we proclaim here in a moment, Lord, through song, that we want you to have your way with us. God, may that way include, God, an encouragement to us becoming people of the word. God, if we could only value scripture, Lord, as much as Jesus has taught us to. What a difference, God, we would make. What a difference, Lord, that we could have in our society, Lord, if we would value the word of God, that we would not ease up. 
That, God, that we would not be slight in your word. God, that we would hold firm to every dot and tittle. God, that we would understand that you are the perfect righteous fulfillment of every word that's been given. Help us, God, to become a people who cherish, who adore, who love the word of God. Be with us now, Lord, as we worship. We pray and ask in the name of Jesus.